I have this itch that I can't scratch. It's basically buying more properties. And if you already have a few condo or freehold investments and you're wondering what to buy next between the two, either condo or freehold, and you wanna grow your portfolio, or maybe you're just starting out and you wanna look in getting into the market. Either way, this podcast is about condo or freehold investing. Which one's better? Join me in my most recent conversation with my good friend, Charles Messina. Charlie and I have been working together for quite some time now, as our team has helped him grow and maintain his investment portfolio. So in this first episode of season two, we talk about what's better to hold, condo or freehold investments. Welcome to season two of Boardwalk Talks, your real estate investment show with your host, Kenneth Yim. Excuse the audio quality of this conversation. Our future episodes will be high quality, just like this intro. Anyway, let's get right into it. Should I buy a freehold or condo as an investment? Yeah, this is a topic we've talked about uh, before, Ken, and people ask us all the time. And I think it's a good idea for us to talk about the pros and cons of each. What do you think? Yeah, it sounds great. I mean, uh, we both hold both properties as investments. I mean, we've um, we've gone through that. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can talk on either side, right? Yeah, that's right. So why don't I do rock, paper, scissors for... Uh, <laughs> Which, sure. which side to pick? You want to pick okay. the pros and cons. Okay, so winner takes freehold? Yes. One, two, two three. three. <laughs> what was that? Tie. One, One two, two three. three. Okay, so I took winner, so I'm freehold. Yes. All right, there you go. There you go. So I got the freehold side, you got okay. the condo side. Pros. All right. So I'm, I'm pro freehold, you're pro condo. So let's go ahead. What's, what are some pros and cons of buying freehold? Well, the cons of freeholds. As someone who's lived in a condominium for a long time, uh, it's a great lifestyle because certainly everything's taken care of uh, for you. And as an investment, we both have condos as investment properties and yeah. you're buying management of those, uh, of those condos. You don't get too many phone calls from your tenants simply because a lot of it's taken care of through those maintenance fees. Right, right. So I guess the biggest pro for buying a freehold investment is that you get the land, right? So the, the thing with that, you're right, you, you do have to maintain it and there's a lot more maintenance. I would say the upside of that is that, well, I mean, I guess if you have multi-units, multi-residents per, um, per freehold investment, then you could get economies of scale that way, right? I mean, the, the maintenance, it's kind of optional. You don't have to do it. If you don't want to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could be a true slumlord and not do nothing, really. Um, you know, certainly you do want to maintain your property. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not advising any of the listeners to to not maintain your properties for your tenants. But you could choose when you want to uh, do your investment. Really, you could be a little more hands on with it. Right, and just on that point, Ken, let's talk a little bit about the price per square foot, if you will, that you're getting as an investment on a condo versus a freehold. That's a really good point. So uh, let's look at some numbers here. So the average price of a detached home in uh, the entire Toronto Real Estate Board is just over a million bucks. So it's 1.018 million. And for condos, it's $590,274. In Toronto, in just four and six, so south of Steeles, uh, it's 1.3 million, a little over 1.3 million for a freehold. And for a condo, it's 636,000. Uh, specifically, if you look at the downtown core, which is between Dufferin and DVP, we're looking at 706,000 uh, just south of Bloor. Right, and that's uh, that's an interesting point there about the spread, Ken. So we're looking in, in Toronto almost double. So let's talk a little bit about 
the fees that are associated with condos and that spread between a condo and a freehold. So typically, would you agree that a condo around that 600,000 range would be around 450, 500 a month per, uh, for the condo fee? Yeah, condo fees and taxes, let's call it $500 on, let's say you get about $2,400 on an average uh, $600,000 condo, one bedroom. Right, and for homes, obviously you're paying taxes as well, but as you mentioned earlier, maintenance fees, those are optional. Certainly you're gonna to have to spend money on a home. I would say, of course you have control over when and the timing of when you spend that money. Versus with the condo, you have the peace of mind that you know major things that are going wrong in the building are covered with your condo fees. But something that's come to mind for me lately as owning both a freehold investment and condo investment is over time, uh, as we're talking about pros and cons, we can argue both sides of it is that you're paying a lot of money in maintenance fees over a span of 5, 10, 15 years. And you're how, also, how, would you, how would you respond to that? Well, that's actually a good point because you know if you, if you actually look at your tax bills, depending if you're in the city of Toronto or not, but if you are in the city of Toronto, let's say location is relatively similar, uh, you're looking at a higher tax bill, which would eat, make up the difference really in what you're paying for the maintenance fees at condos. Except you also have to maintain the property, depending on the age of it. There's so many variables, it's kind of hard to say, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say all in all, I, I, I think I understand your point that maintenance fees aren't, they're, they're, maintenance is required, whether you have a condo or freehold. It's, it's something that depreciates in value. It's not going to last forever. It's just a matter of whether you want it professionally property managed or if you want to take that control on yourself. Right, and we've all, always talked about getting in the market and how we encourage our clients to get into the market and certainly with the prices as they are, typically somebody's first purchase is probably gonna be a condo these days, especially a, a young couple. And so when we look at building up equity, then certainly further down the road, they can consider moving up to a freehold as a result of investing in that condo. For sure, and I was actually gonna say that for the summary, but you're right, I mean, the absolute dollar amount of buying a freehold is, if not almost double, if not more than double, uh, of what a condo would be. And I always find that people that are looking for condos, certainly the rents are gonna be higher per door for a condo, they're, they're nicer, places, they have amenities, they have concierge, they have things like that, right? And it's generally nice views, right? And good locations, better locations than houses, generally. So, of course, people, tenants are going to, uh, they're, they're willing to pay more rent for it. The, the property's going to command more rent per door, but then you don't get the efficiencies that you do in a freehold, in a multi-unit, right? Correct. Because you would have the option of potentially renting out the basement, making it two units, Certainly, we've heard about what the city of Toronto discussions around allowing people to build in laneways to expand the, uh, the number of housing options. Uh, that also comes into play if you're buying a freehold as an investment. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, actually, there's a lot of other ways to improve value of, of your rents, improve the rents, right? I mean, you could do things like coin laundry or, or storage. You can add storage to the property, just plop a uh, uh, you know, like a, a container bin or some kind of locker system out there and charge a little bit more. You can include Wi-Fi, you know, throughout, throughout the entire, all the units that you have in there. So you have three units, you can 
throw in free Wi-Fi and just jack the rents a little bit, which will improve your numbers. There's so many different ways you can improve the rent. Right. Whereas and condo, I don't think you can do that typically. Well, you're limited to one revenue source. Of course. Right? Of course. That's basically... Wait, you're supposed to be acting for the pro of condos. I'm supposed to be acting for pro freehold. Well, I guess, <laughs> I, I guess what we're saying, Ken, is I guess I'm coming to the conclusion that you can argue both sides of it. Absolutely. The pros and cons because we own both. Of right? Course, of course. And I think what we're trying to do here is we're trying to give... We're not trying to be fence sitters, but it occurs to me it's about timing and where people's people are in the whole investment profile versus... It's one thing to buy your own home to live in, and then as you've done so well uh, with your clients over the years, counseling them is when they're ready to move up to a house to live in, maintaining that condo as a rental. So we're certainly not saying it's the be-all and the end-all, one versus the other. Of course, but that's the point of our topic. We're trying to get some controversy here no but um, yeah. at the end of the day yeah. to all the listeners out there I, I think really it's just to get started that's the moral of the story and I think that's what you're trying to say Charlie um, if you don't get started you won't have the opportunity to build the equity like you do in when you're in the market correct and we're not just talking about this we've actually seen our clients do this yeah and ourselves so that, absolutely so we're not basically talking about anything that we haven't done ourselves or our clients Right, but say say you have the means to buy a freehold investment, and say you're actually you already have own one or two condos now, and now you're thinking, hmm, should I pick up my third condo or should I trade them all and get a house? Yes, that's a great point. Something that I've thought about uh, as well, and I think it goes back to having the versatility in a home. Of course, you'd have to buy the right property where you've got the option where you need a separate entrance for example that would be ideal if you're going to rent out the basement or an upper level as sure. an example and then further down the road assessing the property is could I build up on this property as well and increase the value of the property because as we know um, we have many clients and we we know contractors that can give us an idea of what it costs to build an addition or build out a basement and then of course you do the cost-benefit analysis of is it worth it for me to spend $50,000 on a basement re uh, reno and what are typically the rents. A very good friend of mine, he bought a bungalow in Etobicoke and he added a second story. He's renting out his basement and for example, he's getting $2,000 a month now for it's a really nice basement apartment. He's done it really, really nicely. It's a two bedroom. Awesome. And so here's the way he explained it to me, Ken, is because he's getting that income now, when we talk about maintenance, so he hires somebody to cut the grass, sure. he hires somebody to shovel the snow, sure. and he hires a cleaning lady. So basically, he's really created his own mini condo corporation, if you will, through a multiplex at a home. So that's another way of doing it. For sure. And the downside of doing that is that you have to manage it though. That's that's the only thing. I mean, the upside is that, well, not even the upside. Even It's, it's, it's almost a non-starter to me if the numbers don't make sense, if you don't incorporate professional property management in there, right? If your model doesn't, if, if your model doesn't work and uh, it forces you to create a job for yourself, then why are you investing in the first place? You're doing active work instead of passive investment, right? So it should have factored in the price of vacancies and the price of uh, maintenance as well too, and actual services as well. 
Correct. So math is really important in Absolutely. investments. Absolutely. So it, it's really hard for us to, I know we're, we're trying to discuss this to try to create some, uh, like a topic to talk about, whether we're going to go uh, freehold or condo, but at the end of the day, every single opportunity is unique and it takes, it warrants further analysis for sure. For sure. Yeah. And the moral I, of the story again is to just get started no matter where you are in your, in your journey, I guess. Right. So, Let's, let's switch gears a little bit on the same related note. Um, I guess what kind of quality of tenants do you think you're going to get between the two? Is it going to be the same quality of tenants or do you think it's going to be different? Another great uh, point there, Ken, and certainly whether it's a condo or a freehold, it depends the location. Yeah. You know, if we're talking, you know, about a home in Lawrence Park, you know, looking for a client, you know, the rents there for a home in Lawrence Park are six, seven, eight thousand dollars per month. So I think we know who can afford to pay that kind of money. It's probably a relocation from like presidents, vice presidents of companies. Uh, if you look downtown in the financial core, we know there's younger professionals as a result of all the jobs moving into downtown Toronto from the tech companies, the financial, legal, accounting, and certainly you've got a great pool of tenants to choose from. Uh, from there. So the location, I think, would be critical on the type of a tenant, whether it's a condo or a freehold. What are your thoughts right. on that? Right. So, I mean, with that example, I think that it's, it's kind of hard to compare them side by side like that, right? I mean, how many families willing to pay $8,000 in Lawrence Park are there versus the, the new grad that's just starting their work or, or actually gainfully employed and looking for that one bedroom or one plus den or two bedroom downtown, right? So there's a certainly a wider audience of people downtown looking for that. So if you're looking at apples to apples in terms of, um, call it 2,400 and uh, you know, that's the purchase price of the condo and sorry, the rent of the condo and then the purchase price is a certain amount. Let's say if it's double for the purchase price of a house, that kind of caliber, and you may or may not get double the rent of that. Um, I certainly think you're gonna get lower rents in a freehold versus um, a condo downtown. Right. So kind of a rule of thumb is a lower price per square foot as a rental in a home versus a condo. For sure. Because of the lower budget of the tenants, uh, I guess generally it might translate to lower quality. And I mean, that's not always true. Obviously we know that um, just because you don't make the income right now, it doesn't mean you're not worth a lot of assets or your family is not worth a lot. Of, say, say some of the students from overseas or whatever, right? Their family's worth a ton of assets. A lot more than what you and I have combined times 10. So, but I guess the general rule of thumb is that if they're making less money uh, for the average, then you're looking at a lower quality of tenant really, I guess. Uh, right, well, you know, I guess it's based on income and certainly as we've been talking about, people want to live near where they work and you know, not everybody works on Bay Street uh, for a big five accounting firm. So there's different options for different people and where some of those options could be filled just outside the downtown core in, uh, for example, in East York or in Leslieville, for example, or in Etobicoke, uh, and even actually in the downtown core, say Parkdale, there's multiplexes there where people say in the hospitality industry that are not making the same money as, you know, uh, somebody in legal sure. in the financial core. Or even even the ones that are and choose to rent the the big families out in uh, the more residential areas, North York and and so forth, right? Lawrence Park and all that. That is a luxury rental, and they're paying six, seven, eight, ten thousand or more 
right? It's a smaller market for sure, but it's out there. Right. So ultimately, the demand for housing in Toronto is continues, and there's different different options for different people, and you take that into account. And we get back to the math equation, which is what am I paying for this investment? What's the type of tenant I'm going to get? What's my return? And versus what I get maybe higher price appreciation with a property that has land. But of course, then you have to look after the place. There's a lot of property management issues, less so than in a condo where it's just peace of mind. It's being run by the condo corporation and there's less fuss about managing that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I don't know, you know, because our recording actually got cut off for the audience out there. We had to redo this again halfway through the thing. So we're not sure where we left off. But I know that we talked about having um, a one bedroom or sorry, a condo is a lot less maintenance versus a uh, house. I mean, although you could budget in, you should be budgeting the price of property management into it so that you're factoring that cost in. If the model doesn't work without property management, it shouldn't work for you at all. Otherwise, you're, you're just creating yourself a job and it's not an investment. Right, and some people would say kind of a rule of thumb for a freehold property is 1% of the value annually. Would you subscribe? Yeah, would you subscribe to that? Yeah, I, I wouldn't subscribe to that because mm -hmm. there's so many variables into it. I mean, a new home is not is going to have a lot less maintenance than an older right. home, right? right? So it really depends on the components, the specific components that you have to replace and repair and kind of do your due diligence as you're going to buy it, right? Anyway, I, I think we also talked about would a one-bedroom condo appreciate faster than a two-bedroom condo and what should you buy? Right. We missed that conversation. I think that got cut off, right? It did get cut off. That's annoying. And we talked about... you. Uh, on average, a one-bedroom downtown was about 2400 Sure. And we talked about how a two-bedroom would be about 3500 Correct. But once again, we're back to the math on how if you're a couple, you need a bit more space, you'd want to go for the two-bedroom, and then split down the middle, that's 1750 versus someone going solo and renting that place out for 2400 in a one-bedroom. Yeah, for sure. So you could get uh, more disposable income. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, the, the tenants would have more disposable income, which is great. Now, there's situations where not everyone's a couple, right? You were talking about right. joint and severably liable for the uh, for the lease. So, that is, if you're going there with a roommate and one person decides to leave, who's in charge of the, right. the rent? Who's responsible for taking over? Right. Well, obviously, to protect, you know, our clients, it's about writing the lease properly so that those two people renting the place, the tenants, understand that if one of them leaves, then the other one is still on the lease and has to pay the, the rent in full. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, funny enough, the Landlord and Tenant Board doesn't say, uh, they don't have any legislation against roommates, right? I mean, it's it's such a case-by-case mm -hmm. -case basis, more of a civil basis, um, that they don't have any jurisdiction over roommates. And, when I'm there. Anyway, we were talking about how in New York, it's kind of common to use a vocabulary of saying roommates, right? Not even just renting or even owning for that matter. I mean, that's out of forget about that altogether. But, uh, you know, a lot of people say in the vocabulary, in normal vocabulary, oh, my rent is so-and-so, but more so they add in my roommate is so-and-so, right? Which is pretty unique because, um, I, I, pretty interesting, sorry, that's where I think Toronto's heading. And you were mentioning all the employment and all that stuff that's happening. Sure, sure. And we know that all the office space that's being built and continues to be built in downtown Toronto. And with these technology companies like Microsoft relocating from Mississauga to downtown, CIBC housing 15,000 people in those towers by the Scotiabank Arena, 
because they know that the people that want to work for them, one of the attractions is to live in downtown Toronto. And, yeah. and certainly that's not only the amenities, but being close to all the great restaurants and events that are happening. And that's what makes it attractive. And what we're finding is as these new buildings come online, there's a high demand for these buildings to be to be occupied and the vacancy rates are still low and the inventory gets sucked up, if you will, as soon as it comes on market. For sure. Yeah, I agree with that. So we also talked about one of the things about the, the benefits of being in a condo is that you're closer to the action, really you're closer to downtown because you're not necessarily going to have all those amenities in the suburbs where uh, an affordable house is, an affordable rental is, right? Right, right. And we we're also talking about the potential of building something as a strategy for investing, right? So you, if you're part of a development play, say that you buy a multi-unit that eventually could be gobbled up, or even any kind of freehold for that matter, and you could be gobbled up by the neighboring parcels to kind of join them up together to create a development. But realistically, you have to have that in mind because if you're gonna buy something in the suburbs and you're gonna acquire two or three of your neighbors and you try to build you know, they're not gonna let you, the city's not gonna let you build a big giant apartment building in the suburbs. But if you're off a of main street with, you know, likely commercial downstairs on a main artery, then you might get those approvals. So you kind of have to have that with the goal in mind as an exit strategy. For sure. And, you know, obviously the complications or the additional duties that are required to manage a property with one or two tenants in a condo versus a multiplex. Yeah, yeah, that's uh that's a big thing. I mean, I, I, I guess one thing I should say is that when you have a small multifamily property, you're a little bit more limited in who you're going to sell it to. You're going to sell it to a sophisticated investor or a family that wants to live in there, assuming the tenants in the basement, or you have to get all the tenants out, whether it's the purchaser doing it or the, the seller doing it. Somebody's going to have to get all the tenants out to, you know, to stage it, to clean it up, to show it well, to have access for showings and all that kind of stuff. So that you can get on the market properly, right? So that's also a consideration. You might be waiting a long time for the remaining tenants to, to leave and be vacant. Right. And I just want to point out, Ken, there's the concept of buying a property and living in it and renting out a basement or an apartment or what have you in the home, that's not a new concept. And it's not, I, I know that my family, when they immigrated to, uh, to Canada, their first house included an extra apartment and they would live in one part of the house and rent it out and we know that that's what people are doing as well so it's not a new concept no you're right it certainly isn't a new concept what's different though is that the toronto city they've changed sorry not toronto ontario for that matter because of the need for affordable housing and second suites they allowed zoning for all to have second suites as long as it meets building code and fire code and right so the, the stock of housing supply has increased potentially by double, but uh, that's still not enough for the, the, the pace of growth that we're growing in the city. That being said, yes, I think having a basement suite for those deciding to supplement their income or have some tenant pay a portion of the mortgage off is a great way to invest. Right, and I know of a person who's done that and they couldn't be happier because they move out from a condo, they need extra space, they're having children, and of course, I think we know that you know larger condos can get up there in price and as will the maintenance fees so they look at the option of moving into a home with income potential 
to help them bridge that gap. For sure, and that's, that makes the house definitely more valuable. So on that note, so the good thing about investing into a freehold is that the, the potential of increasing the value of um, through creating more income for the investment, I think is, uh, is a good benefit. Yeah, it, it definitely provides more options. Yeah. Now, those options will could cost money uh, and t uh, more time to make those changes, but it definitely have more options than you would with an condo. But there's nothing wrong with owning an investment condo and having passive income. It's managed. You don't you don't have to look after it, and you move on. For sure, for sure. That's that's definitely a, a good attraction for condos and why most people buy condos is because of the price point, the, the ease of it, the, the bigger market size, I guess. It, it's a lower price point, so they're easily more commoditized, I guess you could say, right? Right, and thank God for condo investors in Toronto. Otherwise, all this stock would not have been built. Correct. And the and city would have grown, yeah, for sure. Right, right. For sure. That's, that's actually a really good point. That being said, um, if, you know, we own several condos ourselves and I don't think there's anything wrong with condo I love condo investing it's a great way to build equity can I ask you would you rather trade up two condos for or three condos for a freehold well that's uh, th that's that, the topic of today really. yeah that is that is the topic and I guess it kind of dovetails to what we've been talking about uh, this afternoon Ken which is you'd have to we'd have to do the math yeah and figure out over time, price appreciation, uh, uh, we know for sure it's going to take more time uh, of your resources. So if you really value your time, I think getting into a multiplex means bigger a bigger issue, more problems, and money required to manage those. Not that I'm, I would dissuade anybody from doing it. So I think it's always about being well-informed about the pros and cons as we've been talking about. For sure. And I know we've been interrupted a number of times and I apologize for that, but I guess we also talked about building in the price of a property manager. Mm -hmm. So if you have a good property manager, they are able to take those headaches away from you for a fee, obviously. But of course, if you build it into your cost, then it's possible. So mm -hmm. it can still be passive and you still can get the other ways to exit the, uh, the investment or other kind of benefits of owning uh, property, not just increased rents. It'll be through other avenues. Right. So, and, and we're getting back to the whole location. Yeah. Do you own three condos in downtown Toronto and a multiplex, say, in the suburbs? I think those that's a different equation. Yeah, I don't know about the suburbs, but a multiplex downtown or a, yeah. you know, closer to the city, gotcha. maybe may jumping up one tier of, um, I guess, from A, B, C, D, I guess, going down one rank would mm -hmm. be okay, but not going down two ranks, so that right. makes sense. Not going from A to, to a C. Right. But from A to B, yeah, that's okay. I wouldn't mind. Sure. I would probably do that. And I guess it's every every property is case by case. Every situation is different. Um, yeah. Great. So I think the, the summary at the end of the day is just get started. No question about it. Yeah. I think that's the only way to do it. I think if you have a small condo that's more commoditized, you can start. If you don't own anything now, buy one of those things. Buy two of them. Buy three of them. Let it grow and let it like plant that seed and let it grow like a little flower, right? And then it provides you with options about multiplexes as a result of taking that initial step. Right, you can take those the budding things of the flower and train into turn it into a tree and all that kind of stuff. That's it. I guess just get started. Get started. All right, Charlie. Good talking to you today. And, thanks, uh, Ken. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. And I guess we'll talk soon. Thank you. 
Well, I really hope you enjoyed that episode and we've given you some food for thought. If you're interested in learning more, please visit www.broadviewavenue.ca and click for an appointment for a quick 15-minute phone call. We look forward to talking to you about your real estate investment journey. And thanks for listening.